Okay. For Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. For Lord is robed, he is put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. Your throne is established from old, you are from everlasting. For floods have lifted up, O Lord, for floods lifted up their voice, for floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, for Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Spurgeon says about these verses, uh, For Lord reigns, whatever oppression may rage, his throne is unmoved. He reigns, does, he has reigned, does reign, and will reign forever and ever. Whatever turmoil and rebellion there may be beneath the clouds, the eternal king sits above it all in supreme serenity. And everywhere he is really master. Let his foes rage as they may. All things are ordered according to his eternal purpose, and his will is done. The psalm opens by saying, the Lord reigns. It's something that surprised me when I was studying this, that I could only actually find about seven accounts in the Bible where it says that phrase, the Lord reigns. And it's a phrase we use all the time. Um, So I was thinking about that, and then I thought... Actually, it's rather obvious thing according to the Bible. It's almost like saying rain is wet and fire is hot, but the Lord reigns. And so, though it says it in a lot of different ways, uh, the Bible actually only uses that phrase a few times. Um, and here, the psalmist opens with it um, and gives these reasons that follow. He says. God reigns, the earth is firmly established. God reigns because he made all things. He made uh, the entire universe. Genesis 1 says that God created the heavens and the earth. And so God reigns over all things because he made all things. And if you make something, you're greater than the thing you've made. Nothing that you can make can be greater than the person who made it. It's created by them. Um, And as someone brought earlier, the... um, Colossians uh, 1 says that uh, God holds all things together by the power of his word. And so that God not only made all things, but God is holding all things together. So if God didn't keep sustaining uh, the world and everything in it would not exist because all things are made by God and all things are held together by God. But the psalmist goes further. He says... Um, not only is the world established and firm, but God's throne is from old. He says God's throne is more firm and more established than the earth. And um, he says you can't move the earth, so God's throne, which is from old, is um, more set. And he says even more than that, God is from everlasting, um, I was thinking about this. God is the everlasting God who has no beginning. God's throne and heaven and the angels, which are older than the earth, they have a beginning because God made them. And God has no beginning because no one made God. God has always been. I was thinking about that, how much greater that makes God than anything else. And I was thinking um, about a phrase my brother who... um, 
they're both worrying now. Um, <laughs> my older brother <laughs> um, talking about infinity and how you could think of the biggest number you could imagine. Um, and if you compare that to infinity, it doesn't even register on the scale because infinity is, by definition, and a number we can't imagine. And so God's uh, existence, because it has no beginning and it has no end, he is beyond our imagination in his power. And so Paul, in Act 17, is able to say, in him all things live and have their being. Without him, nothing can exist and nothing can live. And so God has complete reign over all things. Um, those of you who were on Wednesday would have um, heard a sermon by P.J. Smythe on the sovereignty of God in healing. And so I think um, I'm not really going to dwell on how this God's rule affects us at this point because um, it was all quite complicated and I was quite confused. But I do think we had to um, draw out some conclusions from that God rules over all things. That uh, God... If God rules over all things, he rules over our lives. Um, nothing can happen that is outside of God's control if God is in control of all things. Um, and so that means both good and bad are from God. Uh, but um, if God rules in the good, then he also rules in the hard times of life. Um, if you um, want to think about that more, the sermon that PJ preached was... Uh, good and online. Um, but it also means that God rules over um, all of our lives, not for, just for bits we're proud of, but for times we fail and our sin. Mm. And uh, God was sovereign in that. He could have stopped us, but he didn't, which means um, people were talking earlier about how... Um, I think Fleur said about how you might feel ashamed to come to God because of where you're at and you don't feel holy. Um, I missed your, the thing you brought, Rupert, sorry. Um, but um, actually God was sovereign then. And um, I was thinking about the two greatest sins of all time. And I think you could say those were Adam and Eve in the garden and when they disobeyed God, the world was made perfect and they messed it up for everyone. Um, but the greatest sin of all was when Jesus was uh, crucified on the cross. And actually, um, there's an old hymn uh, by Isaac Watts, which has this verse, in him, that is Jesus, we have more blessings than our father Adam lost. And so by Adam's sin um, that brought death into the world and suffering into the world, we have the adoption of sons into Jesus in a way that Adam and Eve didn't know though they were made perfect. Yes. We're now clothed in Jesus' righteousness. We're God's bride. We're not just God's children who are holy on their own merit. Yes. We're holy on Jesus' merit. And so we're loved as Jesus is loved not just as God's children by what they have done. Very good. And so God rules over all things. He even rules over death. Um, and 
<laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's quite a poignant thing at the moment in my life. But um, if God rules over all things, he knows when uh, he's going to take us to be with him. Um, and so as Paul says, death has lost its thing because to be with, uh, to die is not, uh, even that is not out of God's control. It's his timing, it's his choice. And it's him bringing you to be with him and know him personally. Um, and so there is nothing, not even the greatest things, the most scary things in life outside of God's control. How then does God rule? God rules, it says, in majesty. I've managed to lose it here. Um, that's why I print it out. Um, God rules in majesty. Uh, it says, sorry. I'll read it again. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. There we go. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Um, I don't know what you think about when you think of majesty, but um, the first thought I had was um, that song, um, which goes, I, I don't know if I want to sing it to you, really. Um, majesty, worship his majesty. The next thought I had was sin. Um, it may surprise you, but I don't like that song very much. Um, I have different words for it. Um, and I'm not going to sing those to you. Um, but if a song has ever reeked less of majesty and more of um, twee, um, I think it might be that particular one. Um, I'm sorry, some of you might really like that song. Um, oh no, sorry. I'll write you another one. Majesty. Majesty, <laughs> come and worship his majesty. Yeah, maybe. Send you to sleep. Um, <laughs> lost my plot now. Uh, <laughs> the majesty of God is something glorious. When you think of majesty, you don't think of a lullaby, really. You think of... Um, I tried to capture it in some of the pictures I used. Um, I remember going to Aberystwyth once to hear Rico Tice talk, um, and that day was the most amazing day for the power of water. We drove there, and I just remember seeing these waves crashing, probably 15 foot tall, against the pier there at um, Aberystwyth. I've never seen anything like it. And you just think, I just want to watch this for hours. It's majestic, but you don't want to be in that water. Mm because it's scary, it's bigger than you. It's something that if you fell in it, that would be the end of you. Um, and we drove home and it poured, and there were these flash floods across the road and we had to turn back a couple of times. Um, and you thought, it's amazing, I could watch this for hours, but I wouldn't want the car to be stuck in that and to be tumbling down the river in that. Um, majesty is something that is spectacular and you want to look at, yes. but there's almost a fear of being involved. You, it makes you think, um, I don't belong here. You see this in Isaiah 6 when 
um, Isaiah sees God in his majesty and his glory. And he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live in a people of unclean lips. I shouldn't be here. Or in the Exodus account of when uh, God appeared to Israel on the mountain and the people trembled in fear. Or how... Um, John reacts in Revelation when he sees Jesus and falls down as though dead. There's something about splendor and majesty of God that makes us fear to be there. But we want to look more and we want to see more. Um, And so in the Exodus account, God has to say to the people, you mustn't come near. They want to come near, but to come near would be disastrous for them. Um, But here... God says, I'm clothed in majesty. And how else does he dress? He belts himself in action, in uh, strength. And this uh, picture of God clothing himself is um, a picture of God getting ready for action. Um, having recently started working a proper job, um, I've discovered something. But when you're not at work, and when you have a few days off, um, there's a vast difference in how you dress. Um, so when I go to work, I probably, yeah, I think the trousers are different, but apart from that, you'll see my work clothes. Um, it's smart casual. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how you dress like that for work is different to how you dress to lounge. It gets worse than this, does it? Uh, yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> I dress up for weddings. When I'm a photographer, it's awful with a camera and a tie. It's, it gets caught around the... It's not good. That's an idea. <laughs> Why did I bring that up? Um, yeah, dress for work. God is um, here dressing himself in strength. Um, God's strength is such that it holds the sun and stars in place. God's strength is such that by the power of his words, he made all things. Um, Isaiah 40 verse 30 says, even the young men grow weary and faint. Uh, but Psalm 121 says, God neither slumbers nor sleeps. God is the God of infinite strength and infinite youthful zeal and um, power. There's nothing weary about God. God's strength is enough for everything. And I sort of realise, how does this even work? Hey. (laughs) The floods have lifted up. Um, If we turn to... Verse 3, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. Floods lift up their warring. Oh, that's important. The floods of life come and uh, it's interesting how um, the psalm repeats this here. They come floods for floods for floods. I was thinking about what these are. Um, and for first of what I thought was actually, um, these are things that distract us from God. And for first, I thought of was worry that 
These are things that are going to take our attention from God. So um, another example from my work is um, when I worked in Mostyn in North Wales, um, we used to listen to Radio 1 because we're like that. Um, and now I'm in Liverpool, that great nostalgic city. We listen to Radio 2. Um, the beauty of Radio 2 is Jeremy Vine and his radio show. And what I can't work out is whether Jeremy Vine is evil or an idiot, because um, he has... It's on the internet. That might have to come off the internet. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Vine has this gift for worrying about everything. And whereas I used not to worry about anything, I now have a list. I worry about a double-dip recession and how that will affect my town. I worry about the student finances I don't have. Um, I worry about my numeracy. I worry about polar bear attack and what it might do to my children. I worry that my mobility scooter might spontaneously combust, <laughs> that I'm drinking too much water or too little, and I worry about my neighbour's electronic dog lead. <laughs> and these are things that I don't think ever really affected me before. <laughs> but now I spend afternoons in fear, worrying about how this... It's not in there. <laughs> you look stunned. <laughs> you, you can you just switch it off, Tim. Switch it off. Switch it off, OK, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I was worrying. Um, and then I work next to a huge sign that says, Danger, asbestos, do not drill. And the temptation to drill, this <laughs> sign. And the worry it causes me and everyone else in the workshop um, is quite supreme. But those are things that don't affect me. And actually, why would I worry about any of those? Um, but people spend hours worrying about things that really don't affect them. Um, but then there are things that are serious. Um, there's wars, famines, uh, rioting, floods. And they come in wave after wave. And you'll notice as you watch the news, it's not that the first one goes away. It's that another one has come and taken all your attention away from the first. And so um, it's not that... Um, there's no war now, and just rioting. It's that one is taking our attention from the other. And if you look at that, you're going to get overwhelmed by how huge um, the problem is. And one of the good things that has come from Radio 2 was that they said the reason we don't give to charity often is because people are overwhelmed by the scale of it and just can't personalise it. But then trouble comes personally, and um, you have work or you don't have work, and it's a trial either way. Um, you have a family or you don't have a family, and again, it's a trial either way. Um, you have health or you don't. Uh, I guess, no, it's probably best to have health. Um, um, but these things just come against us and against us. Um, and the danger is that when the floods come, 
we're just looking at those. We're worrying about the next wave and where it's going to come from. Um, and then as Christians, it gets better. Um, we have an enemy, Satan, who is going to attack us and who wants to harm us. He wants us to suffer and turn our attention from where it should be. And so he's constantly gnawing at us uh, to turn our heads from God. Um, and he does this in a number of ways. He might do it by giving you things, by taking them away, um, by um, we'll move on. Um, and then there's other worry that comes because um, Satan's not just out to get you, but he's against the church. And if you love the church and you see it. Um, in turmoil somewhere else um, or even where you are it hurts you it doesn't just hurt uh, someone else and so um, and so he is always out to get us and turn us away and then there's our own sinful nature that um, turn uh, is always battling us if you read Romans 6 to 8-ish, um, you see how Paul describes this battle between um, the sinful nature and the spiritual uh, spirit in whom we live. And it's just turning our head away and away from what we read before, that God is mighty and God is in control. And that's what the psalm says. If I go, ooh, look, I forgot them again. Mightier than all these, the Lord is mighty. And if we forget that, we're going to get sidetracked. But God's rule is sure. It says, um, I'm going to lose it again. Um, Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. I was thinking about this this morning. I thought I was being clever with this picture. Um, lighthouse waves um, of waves just break against it but I thought actually there's an issue here because it says the Lord on high is mighty Um, and so forget that picture imagine the lighthouse is on top of Snowdon the waves can't even get within 20 miles of the lighthouse Um, God is so much above the trials of the world so much superior to anything that the world can throw at him or his church or his people that it's not even worth thinking about those things but setting our minds on him who is able to deal with them and it says God's rule is good it says um, here your decrees are very trustworthy holiness befits your house O Lord forevermore God's law and God's rule is a good rule it's not like um, the laws of life and the laws of, uh, that men make. God's rule is a good law and it's true. And it's a law, God's rule, he cares for his people. God is the king of his church and he cares for each one of them. Um, we were thinking earlier about... Um, okay, I was thinking earlier about just how much... Um, we have gained in uh, 
Jesus um, that we are adopted into his uh, family. Um, we're made children of God. And God loves us as he loves Jesus because, um, um, because it was that verse she read earlier about um, in, in his body we are made one with him um, and we are made one with Jesus. So as God loves Jesus, so he loves us. Mm. Um, and so when we see these trials come, and the floods of the world come against us, and we know that God is in complete control, we could be tempted to think, why is God letting this happen to us? But we read his law is good, and he wouldn't do uh, let bad come against his church unless it was for a reason, and it would come because he loves his people. And so we know we have a God, a fortress, who loves us and um, who is secure against the waves. And so we need fear nothing. And his house will last forevermore. He's the one who has come, um, who has no beginning. Um, and he said that the earth is established and shan't be moved. But the earth had a beginning. Um, and the earth has an end. Um, and he said his throne is from old. Um, but he says, God says he's going to renew heaven. And so his throne has an end. He's going to make a new one. Um, but what doesn't have a beginning and what doesn't have an end is God. And so we're built into his house, his holy house. Uh, which is to last, it says, forevermore. And so in God, we get that um, lastingness. And we will last and we will get to heaven as his children. Um, because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Um, God is in control of everything. Um, Nothing is going to surprise him. Nothing can snatch us from his hand. For waves can't even get close to God and his plans. And his plans are for us. And his plans are for you. That he'll bring you safely to him. And so how are we to live in light of that? Where it says holiness befits your house. Um, I think the danger is if you get distracted by the raging of the floods, then you will turn your head from God and become um, dissatisfied and um, embittered against him. And that can lead to all kinds of sin. I, don't, I was thinking about why we sin, and you never sin out of contentment. You never sin out of a surety of God's goodness. You never sin because God is in control of everything and he's working all things for your good. Those are not reasons you sin. When you sin, it's because you forget those things. You forget that God is good and he is for you. You forget that all joy is to be found in him and the gifts he gives. 
Um, and you turn your head to other things, and the floods come, and you try and find other ways out of them. You try and find other things to satisfy your uh, desire, and you try and find other things to take the pain away, whereas you should turn to God, who is able to keep and protect you. Um, And he has promised to do that. And he'll keep you. And I think that's all I've got to say on that. (laughs) 